0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Cue music. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's from the show that we're talking about. Oh. (laughs) This is a brand new Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who
1: Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. This is a very exciting week. I'm really excited about this week. We haven't had Uh, excitement in our voice for months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. Um, (laughs) This is a completely new... Segment we've been talking about it for uh, sort of hinting at it for a couple of weeks. Basically, Dan, what we're going to do
1: is what for the we're next gonna do
0: for the handful of weeks, months, maybe forever until depending we're on sick how, of this idea. Yeah, but we but we're very excited about this idea now. Um, we're calling this segment uh, like we love musicals or musicals we love musicals we love. We love. Right. Musicals we love. Um, we love musicals and we miss musicals. And, and so what this segment is going to be is exploring some shows that you might not know and getting to know shows that are your favorites a little more in depth. Right. So we're basically going to take some stuff that we love and we're just going to dive in like deep dive, like super book report, you know, um, and, and just give you all sorts of, you know, fairly useless information about stuff that we really love. Um, and this, uh, this is probably my favorite. Sh- no, it's not probably This is my favorite show of all time.
1: This is Ben Joe's favorite show since 2008.
0: This has been my favorite show. This is the 2008 Tony Award-winning best book, *Passing Strange*, and we're going to talk about it. *Passing
1: Strange* is the musical we love this week. (laughs) Cue music.
0: I'm really excited about this. I think that we started, well, I don't know why we picked my favorite musical first, but uh, we'll do your favorite musical next week or whatever. But basically, mm. we're going to we're going to talk about Passing Strange uh, this week and we're going to drop in a whole if you don't know anything about it, this is an, a great opportunity to um explore this cast album and one of the things we wanted to do with this segment was explore things you can you can see right now. Like you right. can go and watch, you can um you know, this this was this musical. Uh, we're we're going to get into all of it, but they it didn't run for a terribly long time on Broadway. But Spike Lee filmed uh, filmed the final two performances on Broadway, and. It is a remarkable movie. You can rent it. You can
1: buy it on iTunes. You can rent um, it on iTunes for $3.99. It's available on Amazon through an IFC subscription for five ninety nine, dollars which has a free trial for a week. The movie has a 100% on Rotten
0: Tomatoes. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. Um, and so I a little bit of, I guess, my journey with it, um, it... This, this sounds dramatic, and, and I'm pro- I might start crying at some point over the course of this hour Jesus because Christ. this show means just... Hey, listen, man. Uh, <laughs> this show means so much to me. Um, I, my junior year of college uh, was a really difficult... First semester of college was a really difficult semester. And frankly, I, I was questioning all of this. I was, I was really thinking about a world where I gave up on musical theater and went to do, do something else. I wasn't inspired by it. I was like kind of going through the motions and and didn't love it anymore. Um, and I discovered Passing Strange. I was in London studying abroad. My friend Matt Wood, mm. I was like, you know, we, it was pr- one o'clock in the morning and he was like talking about Passing Strange. And he's like, have you heard of that? And I was I had never heard of the show. And he was like, okay, stop everything. We are going to turn on the Spike Lee movie right now. We started it at about 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. we watched the whole thing. I cried like a baby, stayed up all night, and basically it reinvigorated my love for the art form in general. This, to me, is what musicals can be. It's what musicals should be. It's theater at its purest. It's... Mm you know, seven, eight actors, you know, it was understood just sitting on stage with a band on stage and a bunch Mm -hmm. of chairs playing Mm -hmm. 1800 characters a piece. Um, it is to me, everything that I want musical theater to be. And I watch it. I go back and watch this Spike Lee movie at least once a year. Um, anytime I'm feeling bummed out, anytime I'm feeling like artistically stuck, Um, I, I watch it again and it was really fun to revisit this, the, the, you know, this past week because I freaking love musicals. You love, we love musicals and (laughs) we're really sad these days. We're like, what are we doing? The industry is shuttered. We have nothing, you know, and to sit there and watch this show and be like, it's all right. You know, it it, it
1: was really, uh, therapeutic for me. So yeah, for sure. I, uh, I don't have as. Deep a history i mean i've I've watched this movie when we were in college on probably your request after <laughs> yeah, I, uh, if you know me after a you, chances two, are sure.
0: chances are I've told you about this chances are if we've done a show together, if you're my friend, if you've heard me i t- I bring this up to everybody. Have you seen yeah. passing strange? N- well, no, and I'm like, you have to go home, you have to watch it. You have to drink something or smoke something and you have to watch yeah. this fricking show. It is about mothers and sons. It's about an artist's journey. It is the search for, it's about searching for the real, you know, like all of these yeah. things that like, if you don't know the show, please, please go back. And after we're done talking about it, go and listen to it because um, it's, it'll, it'll blow your mind if, if, uh, if you don't know it
1: already. So let's get on this journey together. Yeah. Spoilers, spoilers only after this point. So if you it, haven't seen it, it
0: you should
1: maybe watch it and then come back and listen with us well
0: and one spoiler thing that i i don't want i don't want to spoil the very very end sure i want i want because there isn't a wonderful twist at the end that will just make you weep i don't care who you are i don't care how black your heart is it'll make you cry and so like i want to leave that I want to leave that for, for people to explore. So like, don't worry. We're not going to, we're not going to ruin the whole thing. Um, but God damn it. Do I love this show? I don't know if you can hear it in my
1: voice. So let's jump into it. So AO Scott wrote, uh, in the New York times about, um, passing strange. It burst onto the Broadway stage as the most explosive and acclaimed new musical of our time, sweeping the major theater awards and electrifying millions. Now two time Academy award nominee, Spike Lee, captures all the emotion, humor, and full throttle energy of the groundbreaking rock opera by singer-songwriter Stu in the semi-autobiographical story of a young man who leaves 70s LA for a European odyssey of sex, drugs, rock and roll, and redemption.
0: And uh, Charles Isherwood of the New York Times called it, he said, call it a rock concert with a story to tell, call it a sprawling work of performance art, call it whatever you want, really. I'll just call it wonderful. Like." We don't always love critics, right? But like, right. come on, like right. they every, it was so critically acclaimed at the time. People just, people loved it. And I mean, one of the things that Isherwood said was, you know, if you call it a if you call it a rock musical, um, th- that may scare
1: away, uh, the people who would actually love this thing. Yeah, I was gonna say I think we will get into that, but I think that watching it again. And thinking back on, you know, my career having done American Idiot and then watching yeah. kind of the the world of theater progress. It's just ahead of its time totally. in that audiences were not ready to see a show like this. Listening to this dude rock scream, like t- we talk about like singing dirty. Like this yeah. <laughs> dude can sing dirty. This cast can sing dirty. There's also beautiful sounds in it too. But like yeah. that yeah. sound in a season, we'll get to this too, but like yeah, yeah, in a yeah. season where South Pacific...
0: Yep, and is Greece is up for best revival. Right, you know, right. it's like
1: <laughs> right. You're just you yeah. couldn't be a more different time. Exactly. So we're talking about 2008. This show opened on February 28th, 2008, and it closed July 20th, 2008, after 165 performances. It played the Belasco Theater, which is the current home of "Girl from the North Country." Hope, yep. hope to God when when things get yeah. back to normal. And yeah. uh, for a little bit of context about 2008, before we keep going, is uh, in. 2008 was uh, that Black Monday huge stock market dip that took out like much of the market and the European markets and the Asian exchanges on January 21st. So there was like that was the cataclysmic beginning of Uh, the 2008 recession. Wow. You know what? I, I didn't think about that at all. Right. Yeah. And so when you think about that in the context of the show not running that long, it makes sense because you can't afford at that time. It's going to be a similar moment that we have co- kind of coming out of what's happening right now. It's, you, it's shows don't stay open. Same thing happened in 2001 after 9 11. Shows didn't stay open. Right. Right. That's yeah. You're no, you're 100% right. Because when you think
0: about the fact that it, you know, just back to what Dan said 165 performances, it closed in the middle of July. You know that's it's it did not run for a very long time, and I think I did not think about the 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 you know the, the recession the part economic of this context. at all, which makes perfect sense as to like probably one of the, the the you know one of the reasons one of the things they point to to be like God yeah you know we do that on Broadway all the time like you point to some reason why a show closes and there's absolutely no reason but I I think that a, yeah. a housing crisis yeah. is is definitely partially one of the reasons
1: why this didn't run the other historical thing though, that I wanted to talk about the moment that the show happens in is obviously this is a show about black voices uh, featuring black voices. It's really ahead of its time in that way. And is something that like, I wish maybe they'll revive it because it it feels like it has such a good moment right now. And we can talk about that later. But in 2008 was when Obama had basically just secured Super Tuesday was just about to happen when this show opened. yeah. so in June third of two thousand and eight, right before wow. right before the Tony Awards was when he had that speech at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul where he was officially the nominee and he made that yeah. whole speech about hope and I mean I will never forget watching that because I was like yeah 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 so thrilled yeah that was
0: our first election
1: that was our first our first election where we could vote yeah, yeah. but also just like having yeah. a black nominee for president and thinking that like this is the guy that you'd want to win or at least I did at the time mm-hmm. and And it was just such a cool moment. To think about this show in that political moment as opposed to this political moment is so diametrically different. But... Yeah, totally. The themes are still so Uh, relevant right now, you know?
0: It's wildly relevant. And, I, you know, again, you know, as people who don't know, it is an all-black cast, and they play thousands of characters. They play Dutch people. They play German people. They play churchgoers. They play parents and friends. And, you know, it's just it's a, it's a wash of just actors acting, you know, um, one thing just for a second that I love just because it is such a, it's an interesting thing. I was thinking about like a couple of white dudes talking about passing strange and passing strange being my favorite show. It was, it was, it's such a story about, about black identity. And, and Stu talks a lot about that. Um, just in, in various interviews, Um, and we could talk about the the relevance of the actual title and where the title Passing Strange comes from which it was it was originally um, first uh, sort of coined in Othello Mm. Um, and one of the things that he says is uh, you know this is a quote that Stu had in the original program saying the way that Desdemona fell in love with Othello from hearing all of his crazy war stories reminded me of the tales that rock and roll guys tell to impress women and I thought that was so interesting Mm. Um, he you know and so he used you know Passing Strange also applies in the context of people passing for what they are not culturally, uh, psychologically, and so on. People passing as white or rich or passing, yeah. you know, rich people passing as poor. Um, it was a huge reason why the title is what it is. But for for me back in the day, like I had no idea who James Baldwin was or who Chester Himes was or who jo- Josephine Baker was, right. and so he's shouting these names, and because you're watching it on film. I I got to, I was like watching it and then I went back the next day and and I was like who is James Baldwin right. you know I was like I was like a twenty year I was like twenty at the time right. to be like oh my oh my god you know like he opened my eyes to a world that only I I don't know if I would have had otherwise right. you know and just you know so so in that way like he's gonna shout if you watch the movie he's gonna shout out like all of these different names of you know uh, different black people of Unbelievable prestige in history that like you you should look up like what what does he mean when he says like you know you know joseph Josephine Baker and James Baldwin own Paris, and Amsterdam's going to be his. He goes to Amsterdam searching for himself the way that James Baldwin and Josephine Baker went to Paris to try to you know shed the America that didn't love them and didn't accept right. them, you know searching for some sort of uh some you know searching for the real that's what the show's about right um yeah. So I that uh, that's 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 super duper. Um, that's super interesting about all the the just the context of like where they were because then we talk about like you know yeah it was South Pacific yeah. Little Mermaid opened that season Laura <laughs> Osnes was won won the Grease, you know the one that the I won whatever show, right. you know and then in that and we were talking about it just before we got on in 2008 in the Heights won the Tony Award right so and and it, at that time everything that we read was like. So Passing Strange and In the Heights were neck and neck. They were, it was like who, it was, it was back and forth for the, for the Tony that season right up until the very end. And once they got to the Tony Awards, they, uh, Stu won best for best book of a musical. Daniel Breaker and Stu were nominated for acting in the acting category. Best featured actress, uh, Deandra Ziza was nominated. They were nominated for orchestration, score, and musical. So they had a run at the Tonys, but like In the Heights is now like one of the biggest musicals of all time right. and the runner-up you know yeah, what i mean sure. it's just it's like wild it's wild
1: lynn is now like yep. you know a face of like disney lynn is now like yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> he's mary he poppins like know? the guy he <laughs> right. is a yeah. modern day, you know it, it's hard to even compare him to anyone he's like and such an icon and here we are like you know this is just the little show that could in the same season and there's so many of those. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like to just to think about the runner-ups, you know,
0: like like just, you know, and so anyway, you know, the way that In the Heights changed so many people's lives, like, you know, Passing Strains totally changed mine. Yeah,
1: and it's it's amazing to think Um, about how shows would hit differently in different seasons based on... You know what's going on at the time and and all of those other things. So I think that context is really fun and important to go through. But let's talk a little bit about the development of the show, how Passing Strange came to be, to at least like what we know. I think sometimes it's fun for us to talk about this kind of stuff because uh, we can get these insider stories. So I don't know if we have any of those here, but what we have been able to find on the internet is uh, that the show started in Utah at the Sundance Institute, uh, at the Sundance yep. Institute Theater Lab in 2004. And then they were asked back in 2005, which basically never happens. And yeah. that was their yep. first rounds of like developmental productions, their workshops, if you will.
0: Yep. And then uh, went to, they had productions at Berkeley and then they went to the public and one of the things that's interesting just about you know the, the also the world that we live in with like rock stars making theater, like Stu famously he he he's like he's one of these guys who says he hates theater, he hates musical theater, which I find to be bullshit. because yeah. like you know the guy has had a total career of basically making concept records. And, you know, he had a band called the Negro Problem, which is made up of a lot of the people who played in the band on stage Mm -hmm. in the, in the, the Broadway production. But like, he kind of hates, you know, he's one of these guys like I hate musicals. I hate musicals, but like spent, I mean, this is, this is an opus in a way that like, you can't hate musicals if you spend two years at the Sundance Lab, if you but you know, spending nearly a decade making a musical. Yeah. Um, You know, that's always the thing that's funny to me. Like, he, you know, when people are like, Oh, I, I, hate musicals. It's like, man, you don't hate musicals. You know, this, the, you, you, <laughs> you were up for, you know, you won a fricking Tony award. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but yeah, I just, so that was, that was its, that was its journey. And when it got to the public, it really, you know, as so many things do, um, you know, obviously Hamilton and girl from the North country yep. most recently, you know, things that just like certain, you, you know, come shooting to Broadway from there. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that, that, you know, one of the things I you know, just to go through the creative team a little bit, um, if we want to jump to that, uh, was directed by Annie Dorsen. Uh, they collaborated together. Uh, Annie Dorson is, is credited as uh, like created in collaboration with. Right. So she directed it, but also was like, you know, taking these, these rock stars, you know, taking their concept record and basically turning it, you know, this, this idea and really turning it into a piece of theater. Um, and she's like, she's super artsy and does a whole bunch of stuff in Europe and is a MacArthur genius. And honestly researching her, uh, this week, I was like, I was like, she needs to, somebody needs to call her to be the next Julie Taymor, you yeah, know, like people yeah. we need, you know, like, cause like back when Julie Taymor, before she did, uh, Lion King was like this, this experimental off Broadway, like, you know, director doing like mask work yeah. and stuff. And then Disney was like, Hey, will you come and do this thing? And she was like, no. Commercial theater is, is a construct, you know, or whatever. And they were like, that's exactly yeah, what, that's we what we want. need for
1: Lion King. Um, <laughs> that's what
0: we need for Lion King. Uh, Annie Dorsen's um, really cool. She won they, a Guggenheim yeah.
1: Fellowship too. And she recently has been developing this piece that is, uh, it's called Algorithm Theater. So yeah. they've built an algorithm that dictates a script Uh, And I don't know what the, obviously the parameters of the algorithm are, but they used Shakespeare's anthology, the Bible and like Twitter threads to basically create a script. And then they perform that script either the same night or like they've then, you know, that's how they're like developing their process for scripts, kind of taking this idea of like the way the technology has influenced our life, life, and then forcing it down the throat of our of us as artists to make us think critically about you know the world we live in pretty cool
0: i i I just i just love that it's a little deeper than broadway i think so much cooler (laughs) It's so much cooler than like anything um uh it was uh, it was produced by uh uh joey parns um one of the one of the things that uh, real connection here for me david corns did the set and david corns did the set for hamilton and for bandstand and a million other things. It is one of these, it's one of these sets that like, it does take your breath away, even on 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 film. And uh, Alex, my wife talks about seeing it live. I didn't get to see it on Broadway, but she did. She actually got to see the show the day that they got their closing notice. Um, and got to, she'd like, she was 17 and, you know, stage doored the show and talked to everybody about how much the show meant to her. And, um, you know, it, it, it was one of these moments that, that we talk about often. Yeah. Uh, but she, she talks about when this light wall really just like hits you at, you know, in like the, you know, the third row or whatever, where it comes out of nowhere, it basically is like a blank set. It's just like, you know, a bunch of chairs, like I said, and some, and this band, the band on stage sort of in the stage. And then out of nowhere, when he gets to Amsterdam, the lights just flash on. And it's like, you know, this, this sort of technicolor, um, you know sort of crazy technicolor like you know everything is is bright and beautiful now that he's left los angeles um and uh and so that was really cool i didn't know that david had done that and i was
1: like oh yeah look yeah it's cool i I like how they built the um the floor of the set has uh those moving platforms that sink into the floor so the band is always there but then they can be sunken in um really cool use of like Well, we can talk about that kind of once we get into more of the show, but the band, the band's integration in the piece is really fun. There was another, uh, connection here. Um, Steven Brackett was the associate director of this and he's the guy who directed be more chill and lightning thief this season. Uh, Ah. he also, he was attached to the bad years for a while. So I've, I've worked with him before. Um, he's kind of an up and coming. He was sort of like tertiary off Broadway guy, but now that he's obviously done be more chill. So he's moving into the commercial space. And also the lighting designer of passing strange is a guy named Kevin Adams and Kevin Adams was also the lighting designer for another very famous rock musical called American idiot.
0: Well, there's an, there. look at that. And Look it's, at American idiot, and we're going to have another even connect, connection about American idiot for in sure. a moment. So we're, and, we'll get we'll get to were, that. But yeah,
1: when you're talking about the way that the the use of like light and rock light as as yeah. it integrates itself into theater, like the difference between when you see a concert at a venue, and the difference between when you see a musical on Broadway, the, the way that people express themselves with light is very different. And they're not usually throwing light on the audience. They're not usually trying to make the audience feel exposed but this is the opposite like kevin's style is like let's throw strobe lights into the audience eyes so that they feel like they're at a punk show and he did that here and then he brought a lot of that stuff into his work in american idiot he also did spongebob head over heels head wig and the hair revival oh yeah so you know he's done a lot of that stuff that seems to be his his calling card and um yeah,
0: it's so freaking yeah. cool, and and just adds so much. And one of those things that like doesn't always translate t- to like musical theater on film, right? And it really does. I mean, Spike Spike Lee's behind the camera for this, so like you know, it's going to be remarkable. But like you really get a sense of like all of that work that those the, you know the lighting t- you know that he put into it, because um, sometimes that does get lost on film, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's talk about the cast. The ca- all right. So we talked about the the, the, the about Stu and Heidi. Uh, do we talk about Heidi yet? The co-collaborator. So Heidi, Heidi Rodewald, um, was, was his, uh, was Stu's, um, uh, co, um, creator of Passing Strange. Mm-hmm. She's credited with uh, the music along with Stu. Stu is credited with the book and lyrics, and she's credited with the music um, as well. They've played... In a, the, uh, she was uh, a member of the Negro Problem, uh, the band. Uh, she's the bass player. She's in the show. And there's a lot of like... And this is a little bit of speculation, but I know that like they were together, and then mm. they weren't. It's kind of like Glenn Hansard and Marquetta. Like there's like this like love that was there, and a lot of people think that the the love story that he in Germany, when he goes to Germany, um, you know, and falls in love that like, that was Heidi aspects of their relationship. Mm. So like, it's very autobiographical in that way. And she's right there, Mm. um, you know, on stage with him the whole time. So like, it's just this, this autobiographical show that, that you can't, this is the thing about reviving it too, is it's like, it's his story. It's Stu's story. He's telling you his story. Um, and so the way that like I wanna see it revived in a way because I wonder if it would work even, you know, to like have somebody else up there being like, I'm gonna tell you my story of like my artist journey as a, you know, a kid growing up in South Central LA and try to be a musician and find myself. You know what I mean? I just think it'd be interesting. Yeah. I
1: know it I know
0: it will translate,
1: but it'll it's still just such work specific as a piece. story to yeah, him. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I think it'll still work as a piece because the The idea that this narrator is also the writer, if it's not actually him, it'll take a little bit of a less meta turn when you get into the moments where he actually is able to speak to his own self. However, if it's just two characters, it still plays the same way. It's like, oh, oh this yeah, character's you're, you're talking to, story, to another yeah. version of himself and it becomes clear kind of what's happening for the purposes of the story. I think it could work. Right. Yeah, me too. Um,
0: so, so this cast is just like kind of... I st- I, we'll, we, why don't we start with Rebecca Naomi Jones? Because yeah, so you know, she's so probably... We should you know, wait,
1: but we can start with notable debuts is the segment. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. Notable debuts. Okay. We'll just so that we... Okay. No, no, it's all good. Okay.
0: I got excited. This is the first time we're doing this, and I jumped to the section. I think section. If, we Look, use we, this, I,
1: if we use the yeah. title of the section, then people <laughs> will recognize it when we go back to that in the next episode. Anyway. I understand. Uh, <laughs> so, a lot of debuts, obviously Stu. Um, yeah. And Rebecca and Amy Jones would be the next one. I mean, she's so strong
2: It's it. It's like, just...
1: You could it, not... Tell, I I don't know how old she is. She's not old. It doesn't right because I know that she did idiot before she was thirty. So,
2: but she has the charisma. Two thousand
1: eight. She's got to be like twenty. She's got to be twenty-two. She has the charisma of a thirty-eight-year-old. Like Like you just would not know (laughs) that she's like a kid, and this is the first time she's been on Broadway. She plays eight characters with five accents: German. Dutch. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. you know, a kind of like you know, American urban th- or my, whatever. My
0: favorite is her as the bass player in the band. When she like yeah. they the very first band that they try that they form um is called the Stereotypes, and she like you know, she gets, she plays bass and she's she's pretending to be 12 years old, like not understanding how to play the bass but wanting
1: to be in a punk rock yeah. band.
0: It is so fucking hilarious. Yeah, she's great. And um, if you don't, if, if uh, that and, name and doesn't yeah. ring
1: a bell for you, she yeah. uh, was just nominated for a Tony for the Oklahoma revival. She was, uh, what's her name in American Idiot? She was in Murder Ballad and she played mm. Yitzhak in Hedwig. And Hedwig. And she yeah. was in a play yep. called Significant Other. She's... A huge star I mean, and been in so many things and
0: yeah I I remember wa- seeing her at an audition one time and getting and it was like I had That's seen Bruce her <laughs> or something I couldn't I couldn't handle it I was like well for me it's like she's passing strange right. like you know this and then we'll get to this later but with, with some of the songs and what they that they you know our favorite moments in the show but like I I, I just. I couldn't, I couldn't, it broke me a little bit. So still, like if I were to meet any of these people and we'll get to all of them, uh, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. And they're all like working all the time. Like there's a, I yeah, mean, they're, the, they're, this the cast other is just crazy. The like, other Coleman Domingo. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which, who,
0: him, his opening of act two of yeah. this show, What's Inside is Just a Lie. This He does a performance art piece that just, from that, and then he plays, he plays Mr. Franklin. The choir the, teacher. The son. Yeah the choir teacher in act one. And that is probably my Arlington Hill. Yeah. Is like, it's like the wizard and I (laughs) of this show, (laughs) but for me, like it's, but it's backwards. It's like, he is telling the youth, he's telling Daniel breaker, like, you know, all of his failings that then make almost, it's the, it's the, it's the impetus to act, you know, it's the impetus for him to go on this journey. Yeah. And it's not in the album, but it is obviously in the show when you watch the movie. That like it is it is the reason that he sets off on this mm-hmm. journey. And it is like, it is every time I watch it, chills right now, chills, he's just perfect. Yeah, he's so so strong, unbelievable. And it's
1: like it's so like he's dynamic so and huge the performance. You can tell yeah. he has that 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 German character that he plays, the performance artist, is so like yeah y He's like so like, <laughs> you know, he's got that like hunched over like thing. But then that's yeah. completely different in the first act when he's playing the um, pianist slash closeted choir teacher son of the preacher of their church. Yeah, um, You know, I don't, I didn't recognize him watching this back, but then I went and looked up uh, his resume and oh I was like, God. I've seen this guy in every Oh my God. He's in four episodes yes. of Euphoria. He was in Selma. He's a regular on Fear the Walking Dead, eighty episodes. Yep. He's in Beale Street Could Talk. Yep. He was he's in, in the, Lincoln. The
0: opening scene, the opening scene of Lincoln. Yeah. I remember like seeing going to movie theater to see Lincoln and being like, oh, that's that's yeah. him. That's Mister Franklin." You yeah. know what I mean? And like, he's a playwright. He was Tony nominated for the Scottsboro Boys. Yeah, he wrote the book for he Donna is, Summer. He's, yeah, I mean, like, like just goals. <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable yeah goals like literally just like unbelievable um also a great follow on instagram um but like you know he it, is it, directing a bunch and uh anyway I just, he's just mind-blowing let's get in the into show. the rest of the cast um yeah, so the rest of the cast also Chad Goodrich. It was his Broadway debut. We live in the same neighborhood, oh, cool. <laughs> and so I saw I see Chad Goodrich sometimes. Not going to talk right. to him. Not going to tell him I like Passing Strange because like that's you know I just uh, you know see him walking around. Right. I'm like, hey, dude. Um, and then uh, Daniel Breaker, Issa Davis, DeAndre Ziza, obviously, um, they just continue to work. Daniel Breaker most is it, most notably still um, he's uh, Aaron Byrne Hamilton right On now Broadway. or will be on Broadway. Uh, he was in Shrek, The Book of Mormon. He's currently on Billions. He's on this season of Billions. He's got a recur on yep. that so you can see him in that. Singing like a dream. Yep. Uh, and he uh, was Tony nominated for this. And he was in Mozart in the Jungle too. Um, and it's just, he's remarkable. It's just like he, I mean, he sings like like the the raw, like, like unfettered, ra- like rock and roll rasp, and then when he's like light and you know, yeah, that you know, like so falsetto. long feeling so alone, mm-hmm. like just like you know, floaty falsetto, mm-hmm. just
1: unbelievable. Also, just like uh like raw emotional presence, you know, not pushing, yeah. not like forcing yeah. uh, emotion, but just like totally vulnerable when he needs to be, totally like yep. erratically youthful when he needs to be. Tough yeah. part, man. Like I don't, cause you've got to yeah. buy the You need like, you need like the strong, the strong black man presence. But at the same time, he's like this quirky, weird kid. So you yeah. need I like mean, all desperately of that trying to find trying himself. Together. Yeah,
0: it's like he's, he's like he's he's a teenager, who is desperately, you know, like he's like everything sucks, but I don't know what I want. You know, I yeah. just need something to then really what i find the show to, shows most remarkable for is this like you know the the consequences the only truth of youth are the grown up consequences the the consequences of following your dream but more so the consequences of being an asshole you know what i mean like while you're being an artist you know it's like some people will think that art you know you got to be You got to be sad to write a sad song. You got to be angry to write an angry song. You don't have to be an asshole to be an artist. And I think what's interesting is like, this is a show about how art is more real than anything. So you go through these, these phases of his life and it's just every, it's just spot on everything. And then he has a performance art piece in act two um, that is so spikely. And I think it's probably even better for certain ways the the, the capturing of his performance art piece from, uh, You know, from from when he's in Berlin. It's just like it's unreal. So um love him Ayusa and then Davis, uh, DeAndre's well, uh is, yeah. Davis has
1: been in like literally every television show I've you've ever seen. House of Cards, yep. six Jack Ryan. Looming Tower, yep. Jack Ryan. She's a
0: superstar. Mm-hmm. So she's everywhere. Yeah uh Danger the same way she's got to have it she uh, she did a couple episodes of uh, that the code that show that that uh, uh, you might you might recognize me from slightly not really but um she was in Woman of the Verge of Nervous Breakdown yeah. uh David Yazbek's show uh, anyway so she's done a million things too. they're just like they're just killing it it's an unbelievable cast um, uh but so yeah and then the, we we were going to do these like what if dream casting things but like I don't know if you can dream cast I wouldn't change
1: a single person. Yeah, but it's just fun to talk about. Like, if you were casting this show today, who do you think you could put into it?
0: <sighs> I mean, I wrote down James Monroe Uggleheart as Stu, but they could just because they're kind of like doppelgangers, yeah. you know, they could be, they, you know, yeah. and like, but I'd like to see I mean, like
1: maybe like Josh Henry. It's yeah. a different vibe yep. because Stu like has like. He just has such a uh, like a very specific vibe that if you like put yeah. super muscular built jacked <laughs> insane yeah. Josh Henry in it, it changes. But I think Josh Henry probably was auditioning for this role that Daniel Breaker got too, and he I think he would have been mm. great. He might have been a little younger than that. I would cast Rebecca Naomi Jones again, but also yep. I'd love to see like Taylor Jones or ah uh, yeah somebody uh-huh. like that do that. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah, one of the, one of the things that I'm just sort of putting together that I don't, I don't know if it's right, but like to have somebody like Gary Clark Jr., uh, you know, the, the songwriter, I don't know if you know Gary Clark course, Jr., yeah. but like to, ha- to have like a rock star, an actual rock star playing Stu, uh, I think would be very cool. Yeah. You know, like, because it is that combination of like, you know, he's a musician and you know, he he's, yeah. he's like, you know, going to he's going to, Set the scene, tell you a story about a rock band. So I don't know. That could be. Yeah, interesting that's a too. good idea.
1: I, I I dig that.
0: Um. Okay. So so then uh, this this is the part where you know we're gonna show off our editing skills because this is our this is about the songs. Um. This is songs we love. Uh, this is the songs the songs from this thing. First of all, we were talking about it before we just got on that. Like the last twenty minutes of this thing, is just quotable perfection. I mean, that's what you get when when the thing wins best book. It's like every single lyric over and over and over again, just feels like they're it's perfect. I mean, they're, they're so great. Um, I think my, my number one, um, come down now, which is the song that Rebecca Naomi Jones sings to Daniel Breaker in act two is just everything that you want in a, in a, in a love song. Basically I, I put, part of it um, when I got married I I arranged a processional for Alex to walk down the aisle to and I put this in there Um, come down now Mm -hmm. remove your mask see all you gotta do is ask me I'll give you all the love life allows Uh, we're gonna let her sing it Dan put it in here (laughs) great It's unbelievable. I mean, remove your mask. Like, love is more real than anything else, than all all the bullshit, all the like, you know, your goals, hopes, dreams, money, fame, whatever. It's like, that's what the whole, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's just the perfect song. Um, also on here, like, just... We gotta we gotta I think we should start the episode this way, but the it's all right yeah. the it's the it's all right breakdown mm-hmm. and then when they then we cut it acapella mm-hmm. you know.
2: She said the kind of place I wanna be is where no one's cold or scared of me, and then she handed him these. Her keys Me
0: bikes, but it's just—I mean, it's too good. What a nerd! It's too good. And then I know, and then Arlington Hill also just is like—I—I I, the the whole Arlington Hill sequence from the, the from the movie um, is just perfect, and you don't get all of it on the record. Yeah. So I would highly recommend like watching the whole sequence because you get the whole scene. And it's funny and it's heart-wrenching.
2: Hip-to-hip, shoulder-to-shoulder radio Blasts in everyone's ears Oh, she sees you there In the rear view Choking on smoke And trying to be cool And if you should have head for the
1: ceiling Yeah, man, it's just... It's so good. What, what are yours? Passing phase and Church Blues Revelation. Like our, yeah. our passing phase is just like the kind of 11 o'clock number that I always dig. That's like a, it can yeah. be about so many things for so many people, you know, in this totally. context that totally. means one thing. But I think what's interesting about this story being a black story is that in most cases when you're going to talk about passing, it's going to be about passing for white. It's like a huge part of of black culture in yeah. this country but for him it was something totally different but he still knew to use the words in a way that would connect with the most amount of people you know because we right. can still I, I can connect to passing strange and to, to being feeling like an outsider and to feeling like you don't belong yeah. you know
2: Sea song is a bong but song cannot heal you believed in it too long now I need something more than real I need something more than real Someday the chords of age will drown out the life you've been dreaming of Then you'll be out on your ass and cursing Alas, your song is just passing for love My song was just passing for love
0: And you know, passing, passing, passing and passing and you in, in trying to, you know you know, pretend to be whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you're hundred percent right because I think that one of the things that Stu has written up, you know, has said very openly it's it's a show about him passing for black. You know, it's like his his black experience as a young black kid trying to pass as black, going to going to Germany and being like, you know, I I'm, you know. I'm represent, you know, I represent this this ghetto upbringing, and he actually had a really <laughs> stable upper middle class suburban upbringing, right. and does not know what it's like to hustle for dimes on the mean streets of South Central, and makes a huge joke about it. It's really like, it, it it's really like just hysterical and also really you know heart wrenching because you know from a black experience you can you know we can not imagine what that's like, but we can imagine what it's like to try to be an artist and like pass for an artist where right. like to feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing. And then the minute somebody sees you and sees right through you, you're like, ah, I think I'm just going to go from Amsterdam to Berlin real quick. You know, (laughs) I'm just going to I'm not, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to, you know, right, right when it's starting to feel real, I'm just going to leave. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that passing phase, the whole, that whole, the end of the show. I mean, we're getting into fame, you know, our favorite lyrics. And again, there's way too many to count, but, um, I finally found a home between the clicks of a metronome.
2: The the song
0: you could not relate to that more as a, as a drummer, you know, like as a young kid being like, that is, that's, that's ever, that, that one knocked me off my feet. I mean, there's just a thousand of these. So like we could sit here talking about our favorite lyrics, the whole, but like, you know, if it was any more real, it'd be fictional. Which is I'm just like, so that's true. That's the sort of shit we're living yeah, in now. Exactly. Like
1: if if some if, of the shit we that's happening write... in our lives is like <laughs> if we wrote it, you'd roll your eyes. It'd at be it. a it,
0: exactly. It'd be a bad movie. If you wrote the movie of the coronavirus, it would be a bad right. movie. You know, um, you know. So I mean, that's just you know. I love it. this one was great too. When when uh, uh, Mr. Franklin says to to the youth uh, to Daniel Breaker, we're all freaks depending on the backdrop. Right That right. to me is like Exactly right We're all freaks Depending on the context You right. know what I mean That's just like So
1: I love So no real saying you know? Uncle to Uncle Sam
2: And after so long Feeling so alone I feel like picking up the phone And calling up that place called home To say I found a brand new family Where I can be that thing called me No more saying uncle to Uncle Sam I'm telling L.A. just where I am Calling me Amsterdam Amsterdam
1: Which has such a different context now because you feel like that could be on a, a Black Lives Matter poster
0: Today, absolutely. You got to go to. You got to go to another. You know, when he talks about James Baldwin, and and, you know, you got to go to another country to get to Giovanni's room. You know, like it's right now. We're talking about all the same Uh shit, and uh, right, right now. And so, I think that's one of the, you know, one of the parts of this that we were so excited to just talk about the show. Like, it is so culturally relevant, like just you know,
1: I don't know. History repeats itself. Just you know, and I love. um, Oh, culture. The idea that culture is cosmetic. Right? <laughs> Culture is cosmetic. Culture yeah, is yeah, yeah. cosmetic.
2: Ideas are dependable. There's a new one every week. Emotions are expendable because they aren't unique. Culture is cosmetic. Culture is cosmetic. Culture is cosmetic. Culture is cosmetic. What's inside is just a lie. What's inside is just a lie
1: right there's a whole thing about how we're trained basically how to have culture what to think right and that's the same it's interesting because that's exactly what they're singing about in south pacific you've got to be carefully taught in the same season right but to think about it it, it, you know that just has such depth and so many different contexts for it
0: And just that, like, what, what, you know, that whole thing, culture's cosmetic, what's inside your mind is a lie that has been taught to you by society to tell you that you need to buy a bunch of shit. You need to lurk a certain way. You need to uphold these ideals of a capitalist society that you don't even necessarily agree with, but you've been brainwashed up to this point. And it's like, it doesn't
1: even necessarily (laughs) have that negative connotation to it. Like, it also is the positive connotations. Like, the thing that tells you what is healthy to eat is also a lie. That's not necessarily a lie, but it's like <laughs> right. a thing that has been created that totally you know, is not an original thought or may not be true. You know, it's just totally there's so much totally there that yeah. is relevant now. Th- I,
0: I think that for for me too, like the the number one quote from this show, the number one lyric is is in the movie. It's not on the album. He stands there and he says, "You know it's weird when you wake up that morning and realize your entire adult life was based on the, a decision made by a teenager?" Right. A stoned teenager. And I'm like, "Anybody in our business?" Yeah. <laughs> he goes on to make a joke, "I bet there's a lot of investment bankers in the house that know what I'm talking about." It's just so real. Like I remember I'm like talking to 16-year-old Joe and I'm like, "Really? Really, dude? Real this is this is what was this it is worth what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Was it worth it? You know, so, um, yeah, totally. Which is like so. There's just anyway. There's a there's a thousand of those, and I, I have a whole list here. But I feel like we should maybe yeah, move on to another segment. On. Um, uh, but I think you know we these songs songs to know the songs that always slap the songs that are you know just if you need to feel just put on put on the you know it's all right. Um, yeah, or because that's a huge Amsterdam. part of it, you know, like asking,
1: yeah. US I mean, unfinished song is I, like the hook that I like can't get out of my yeah. head. You know, it's the one that you hear and you're like, yeah. Oh. Every day I a... Well, we've we've been kind of talking about this already, but yeah, how do the themes yeah. hold up to the t- times? Um, what age the best and what age the worst?
0: You know, I. There's very little. I think the stuff that ages the worst in it f- is is just that it's all still very relevant.
1: That's what I was you know, going to say it's too. Still,
0: it's just the same, like you know, seeing talking about double consciousness and talking about you know all of the stuff that we're talking about that the black community deals with and is still dealing with. And it's like it's like oh shit! It's this was just 2008, and I mean James Baldwin was writing about it. Fifty years ago, and a hundred years before mm-hmm. that, and, and you know, it, it's just still all the same. So I think that that's the thing that's
1: the kind of the biggest bummer. I completely agree, and I would like add on like the references to Obama. You know, because yeah. this in this moment before he's even elected, can you imagine the amount of hope that this group of people would have had as artists in this space, hoping for something right. that might change? And here we are, twelve years later, and it's like yeah. we're 12 yeah. years earlier. Like it's, it's just, it's all just doesn't age totally. well. You're like, Oh man, this I hurts. Know.
0: <laughs> totally. Totally. And I think one of the things that aged the best for me was the, like, so often I find that like some of these movies about high school experience or like, you know, I, I was listening to an interview with with uh, Jonah Hill and Terry Gross uh, and Terry about Gross 1990s, was like, there's mid-90s? this, uh, uh, no, well, it was about mid-90s but it was about the line in Superbad when he says, like, you know how girls get all fucked up and drink too much and, and you know, make out with, with guys, like, we could be that mistake. Basically, promoting the idea that, like, they want women to drink so much that then they'll sleep with them or whatever and Terry Gross was like, don't you think that that's incredibly sexist and, and promotes rape culture and, you know, all of, and he's like, absolutely like that, that, that line does not age well. Right. in almost right. famous when they're, when they're driving the bus and, you know, they 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 drive past high school girls and they're like trying, you know, and they, and the, the part where like the kid, you know, the young reporter kisses, um, you know, her unconscious body. There is some shit that really doesn't, doesn't hold up, you know, 20 years later or whatever. In, in, in the response to like a teenage and, you know, a young person's sexual awakening sort of, you know what I mean? And all of the sexual awakening in this show feels incredibly like uh, applicable, but not shitty. I don't know. I, I wish I had a better way to say it. It just is like very, it's, it's exactly how you feel when you're 13. It's exactly how you feel when you're 20, but it's not gross. It's not misogynistic. It's not, it's just like, it's about European free love. Right. And it's about, you know, there's a whole song where he says, you know, they're singing about they, threesomes. They sing a song, they're singing about threesomes. And, they're, you know, it's, we just had sex. And it's about, it's basically about him like desperately wanting to lose his virginity and Europeans just being like, oh, yeah, we'll have sex, whatever. Right. Like, no big deal. And they're, you know, I love that they're so nonchalant about the only thing I want. It's like, that is, that's how you feel when you're, you know, when you're 18 or 16 or, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's not gross. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's just so it's like, it's gotta be the, I it mean, was just I'm like, speculating,
1: yeah. but it's gotta be the, uh, female collaboration. You know, we got two like, a female yeah, director and a female writer. You better believe that right. they're not, they're yeah. not going to sit by and watch something happen that, that doesn't represent both sides yeah. of the gender spectrum, you know? Totally. Um, totally. Cause super bad yeah. is that's, that's a, that is a tough example because you look at Super Bad and that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life in 2005. But you watch it now and you're like, ugh. And you're like, uh, oh, It's even shit. worse. Some of those movies movie. before that. Some of those early Apatow yeah. movies are uh, like, ugh. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Some stuff does not, but it also is a sign of the times. You have to like watch, yeah. almost watch it through the lens of 2005 right. or 1985. Right. Totally. You know. This is my favorite musical. Thank you for listening to... Me and Dan talk about my favorite musical. Um <laughs> this is a time I feel like to celebrate the stuff that we love yeah. and if if you know please like send us messages text we have the text number we have we have DMs just if you like this stuff if you want us to keep nerding out about shows this way like please let us know what you like and what you don't and what you shows you'd like us to talk about. If you have
1: a show that you you think that you'd love to hear us talk about, because you want to hear, you want to learn about it or you want to hear us fight about it. I think there will be, eventually there'll be some shows that we can have words about. Like when a couple weeks ago, when we started dishing about wicked, you know, I think we could do Uh a wicked episode and really get into it. And that might be fun for people to listen to. It's just a break from the drudgery of the fact that we don't yeah. have an outlet right now. A lot of you have been writing us on Instagram and over text saying, you know, you're so happy that there's stuff to listen to at this time because you need an outlet. And so we're trying to find opportunities to create that for you. And this is what we're doing. So any, any thoughts you might have on shows we should cover or things you want to hear about or, you know, if this is terrible and you want us to go back to the old <laughs> format, that's fine, too. <laughs> I think eventually we want to bring guests on.
0: Yes. Yeah. we have guests on to talk about their experience with the show or even just people who love, you know, these shows, you know, like, um, I, I really, I think that we could talk about Passing Strange again with somebody, you know, either who was in the original cast or somebody who just loves it because that's going to be a huge part of this too, to just like have other people's perspective. But God, I just, if you, if you just, just watch the movie, listen to the lyrics, they will shake you. They will, they will make you feel. And the ending is just, if you, anyone who has a mother, (laughs) you know, anyone who's ever been a child. So everyone, um, it'll just make you,
1: it'll just wreck you. It'll just wreck you. Only love is real, Dan. That's right. If you wanted to know why Joe thought he had to be an asshole for most of his life, (laughs) (laughs) because he thought it would make him a better artist. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) to
0: no it's the opposite oh god oh, he's, he's learned nothing he's learned nothing in this hour oh my god so uh, that's that's it that's, that's it. What we got um,
1: what song right, should we leave them listening. with the end
0: oh um, oh I think I got you
1: Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are produced by Dan Tracy and Joe Carroll, your hosts. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals or on Twitter at MusicalGuys. For more information about us or our show, please visit our new website at guyselectmusicals.com. Like you can find our merch store, our Patreon page, and more. Thanks for listening.